Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Fan. Means, yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and right now. Episode number 145. Officially, this one called the Final Four and the Fail Mary. As we get into some football, the NFL Final Four stage is set for the championship games. Talk about the divisional playoffs, some of my takeaways, some of the takeaways and giveaways from around the sport, and much more. Maybe to give away to you, but you got to stick it right here. Thank you, Unfiltered Band, and thank you for jumping on board. The Unfiltered Revolution, you can get on anytime that you want. At Casey Stern on Twitter, get into the bio, jump on board the YouTube channel, subscribe, listen to all the interviews and the videos and the coverage and uh, all sorts of things. Uh, most of it baseball, but you got pop culture. I got a life pod series out there uh, talking about, uh, you know, a lot of things that uh, we go through an everyday basis outside of sport. And I love kind of getting it into it real and sharing with you. We do some of that and back and forth. And uh, we're going to get into some other sports as well, because even though I'm, uh, you know, known maybe in a lot of places for being a baseball guy. It was that way before I started in the NBA and working in that for four or five years. And people didn't realize that my favorite sport to play since I'm a kid has actually always been basketball. Then there are people who don't realize my favorite sport to watch probably since I'm a kid has actually been hockey. My favorite team being the Islanders and uh, that I've done football before. I covered it uh, for three years for Sirius XM on NFL radio. I did Sundays there for three years leading into games. I did a couple of the Super Bowls, uh, including one there doing the post coverage and, and being in the locker rooms and all that. So, you know, I do love the sport and I want to kind of branch out and talk about some different things because really the way I'm hitting this podcast now, people, is is I'm just, uh, yeah, I've always been unfiltered and kind of out there being me, but, but you know, really there's... Um, there's no agenda in terms of the business for, for me right now. You know, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that something pops and I can get back to doing what I love. And it's it's been a difficult couple of years for me with that. I mean, you know, certainly the, the most difficult for a number of reasons probably in my life, but is centered around, you know, you, you fight for a dream you've had since you're five years old and and it, it kind of gets uh, taken away from you, if you will, and, and you, you got to fight and get back to it. But I also love the challenge of that. And, and if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, but I'm going to be out here just kind of talking about sports, doing what I love, uh, having conversations with the people that I enjoy. And, and, and most of all, kind of you know, staying with the basics, which is having conversations with you, whether it be in Twitter, DMs, comments, YouTube, feel free to kind of reach out across the board. Also, I uh, might say, uh, feel free to uh, reach out and get involved with the people who help us be here. We, as always, presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Bet Online remembers your number, remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. They got everything from the NFL playoffs, pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more. You always get the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Live betting options, free contests, live scores, almost any sport, any game imaginable. Bet Online really is truly the fastest and easiest way. Bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head over to the website today. Use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's betonline.ag, betonline.ag, where the game starts as we get started here. Let me also say, and I'll, I'll drop this in kind of a couple of times in all these pods. I put this out on a video on my YouTube as well. If you are local in the Georgia area, uh, come stop by and talk some sports and hang out and have some great food over at Rock and Roll Sushi as I'm, I'm donning the shirt again today. And I'm going to be uh, pumping this up as much as I can kind of on Twitter in Alpharetta. 
Um, I, I've gone to really kind of back to basics and we're talking about early twenties basics and, um, you know, really am kind of enjoying the grind right now. And, you know, part of that has been, uh, working with them and as a, and I say in, in air quotes, a performer, cause it's, uh, what I call myself, uh, at least that's what they say and they call us, but, uh, yeah, out there uh, grinding and waiting tables and doing my thing. But I've been saying it, you know, anybody in the kind of local in the area uh, or anywhere in Georgia, you want to hop over to Alpharetta, go over to Rock and Roll Sushi. I'm there most of the time. If I'm not, certainly uh, you could reach out, kind of ask when I am or let them know that I sent you and get involved. Uh, great food, a great opportunity to sit there and talk some uh, SPORTS with you as well over at Rock and Roll Sushi. So there you go. And uh, God bless all the folks involved with that. Uh, we get involved here. Let's talk some Final Four in the Fail Mary, and I'll explain. I want to just give you kind of some of my unfiltered takes on what transpired to get us here from this past weekend. I'm going to bounce around a little bit. I'll go game order first. Let me start with, and I'll give you my predictions too of what's coming up this, this coming weekend. Trevor Lawrence there are times where you watch a guy in sports and or a, a girl, you watch someone in sports and, and you just kind of know, I want to jump on that bandwagon as early as I possibly can, because that is going to be a star in that sport. And sometimes there are some holes and some weaknesses and some warts. A lot of young kids and rookies certainly have to go through, whether it's an individual or team sport. There's a lot of that. But you just kind of know I want to get on there and get on early. Now, clearly, when you're drafted, the likes of what Trevor Lawrence was is already a lot of uh, that high ceiling. And, you know, you've got to do a lot to earn your keep right at that level to be a top pick. But what we have watched him do in his development and his learning process, his command of, I wouldn't just say the offense and the playbook with Doug Peterson. His command of the room and the field as a general, which you can see, his ability to bounce back and look, whether you want to give him the credit for the comeback, you know, a week prior or blame it on the Chargers for just doing Charger things, to bounce back from those four picks and to perform the way that he did, to be in spots, you know, this past weekend, even though it didn't net a win, where you just, you trusted him and you knew that this was a dude you were watching grow before your eyes. Very similar to the way we looked going back a year and then two years ago to Joe Burrow and what he's become now. An elite quarterback, top of the line, top of the food chain QB in this sport. Trevor Lawrence going to be there too. That's a dude who could do it with his legs, great arm, accurate, and all of those toolsy things. But the tool, that sixth one in that toolbox, the one a lot of athletes don't have enough between the ears, it's right there. And if you're a Jags fan, let me tell you something. You got to be jacked up for what's to come for that. That is going to be a dangerous, scary team moving forward. They got the right coach and they got the right guy in the lead. I love what ATN does. They got a lot of, I mean, you think about Kirk and, and Zay Jones, they've got a ton of, yeah, I don't know what Evan Ingram's going to be beyond this year, whether or not that's a long-term solution for them. Is he somewhere between what they got and what the Giants got or not? Who knows? Seemingly, change of scenery helped for him, even though he had a big drop late in that game this past weekend. But you, I, you've got premier positions with the right guys there, including the coach and the quarterback. Kudos to the Jaguars. Love, love Trevor Lawrence. What Mahomes did... On one ankle, you know, I've talked to guys who over the years in different sports covering the NBA and baseball, 
about, you know, all sorts of different injuries. I, I've mentioned, you know, often about you know, the pain that some of these guys have gone through. I talked about it when Pujols was playing with plantar fasciitis and how many NBA players were telling me that's crazy. It's an NBA injury. They, literally, you can barely walk. This guy's playing every day, right? You talk to athletes about high ankle sprains and the pain in that, and you see when he tried to plant on that foot how much trouble he was having even to go back and stretch out for handoffs, the issues that he was having. You got to give all the credit in the world to a guy we already knew was QB1. And I don't mean QB1 like we all say of a team. I mean QB1 in the sport. This guy going to be the MVP, the best quarterback in the game. And even though it's more difficult in the NFL, because I thought for a long time Jerry Rice was the best player in the game, maybe the best player ever, he's a wide receiver. Well, how do you compare that with a quarterback and so on and so forth? Uh, you know, depending on how you look at all of that, fantasy versus reality, maybe the best player in football, but either way, the MVP best quarterback in the game. But the toughness and the 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 fire in this dude, how do you not love 50? How do you not? The Chiefs are as scary as, you know, it's like the Denny Green thing, but this time in a positive, they are who we thought they were. They are, and he is who we thought that they are or were, and he was and is. That was an unbelievably gutsy, gritty, all-time kind of performance. Now, it'll get forgotten a little bit, even though it'll stay in MVP lore for Mahomes this year. It'll get forgotten a little bit if they lose to the Bengals or lose in the Super Bowl comparatively to what it'll be if it's part of the, you know, the, the end game story. But how do you not love the grit, the determination, the fire, the performance out of, out of Mahomes? It's fantastic. Fantastic to watch. Let me stay AFC, and I'll do it that way, then go NFC, and go in order. I love Josh Allen. I love watching him play. I love the talent and the ability he has to make plays that don't seem like they're there. I love what that defense was able to do despite the losses in the secondary as the year went on, especially primarily what happened and everything they dealt with emotionally with with the, the terrible events of, of – that night with DeMar Hamlin, although thank God and, and God bless to him and to that Bill's family and his family that everything has has been so positive and in such a great direction and God willing stays that way. But all the injuries that they've had, the loss of Von Miller, they were still a tighter group, certainly emotionally than they ever were. And we're finding out how to maximize the most they had with the sum of, of those parts. And some of those missing parts, secondary injuries and whatnot, right? But that defense got put on blast on its heels and in a vice by that offensive line and that front by the Bengals during that game. The, the seemingly at-will ability for them to get chunk yards and to keep the ball away from a rhythmic offense like Josh Allen and the Bills have and away from their weapons, getting a feel and a flow, which is going to be difficult to do in that weather anyway, clearly, with the lack of footing, but more difficult with the lack of opportunity. I saw this, and I'm not comparing the two different teams, but I go back to the Bills and the offense that they had going back in 1990 with Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid and Lofton and all of those guys. Metzler, I mean, they were unbelievable, right? Kenneth Davis. The ability of O.J. Anderson and Bill Parcells in that offense to keep them off the field 
much more than what happened with Scott Norwood in the 47-yard field goal or 48 yards, whatever it was. No chip shot, by the way. Hello, Brett Maher. Became the reason the Giants won the Super Bowl in a game where they weren't the better team. The difference here is when you kept the ball in the hands of the Bengals and Joe Burrow, you realize that despite records, despite the home field and where they were playing, despite not seeing these two play out that game with DeMar Hamlin where we didn't get to see what would have happened that night, if you will, despite all the talk about coin tosses and neutral sites, the Bengals looked like and played like the more complete team on Sunday. They look like the better team. It looked like it would have been an upset if the Jaguars would have won for sure. The Giants, we thought they had a chance. We'll get to that. They didn't for sure. Dallas, even though it was tighter, I think, in terms of talent with San Francisco than people probably gave it credit for, for sure. This one, this is not an upset. It's a surprise because they manhandled the Bills. It's a surprise because with everything the Bills had go on and happen to them, even though it was so taxing and must have been so much so emotionally, I think everybody looked at it and said, okay, well, this is just one of those. I certainly did. This is one of those sports stories that you just know is going to end up like, okay, now it's, it's meant to be, right? This fate, this destiny, the manhandling was a surprise, but it, this is not an upset at all. And Joe Burrow right now, is a better quarterback than Josh Allen. He makes less mistakes in big spots, which is key. Hello, Dak Prescott. Hello, the difference between the good and the bad of the Daniel Jones of the world and many others. He makes less mistakes at crucial points than Josh Allen. He has less of those. Josh Allen is a brilliant quarterback and player, but he has more of the brain fart play quotient, seemingly, certainly, than Burrow ever does. Less weapons, even though we know Chase and company, certainly when he's healthy, made big difference. Less weapons, I think, overall to work with. But Joe Burrow, to me, is the better quarterback than Josh Allen. It's Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow in this game. It's Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow in this league. No offense, Jalen Hurts. No offense, Josh Allen. No offense, wherever else you want to go. Aaron Rodgers, if you still believe in that, or Brock Purdy, if you're a believer now, or wherever else you want to find yourself. It is Mahomes, it is Burrow, it is Allen and Hurts. That's just the way it is. This game is going to be tight between Cincinnati and Kansas City, and I think Cincinnati is going to beat them again. Burrow has beaten them now, what, three times? I think it's going to be four. Last year, the Bengals got to the Super Bowl and ran into the Rams. This year, they're going to get into the Super Bowl. And I think after beating Kansas City, they deserve to go, which I think they will. And beating Buffalo prior to that, they deserve to go into the Super Bowl as the favorite over the Eagles or the Niners. I think they'll be underdog regardless of who they play based on the way the Eagles and the Niners' talent has been discussed and how they've looked in their record during the year. But if the Bengals are able to knock off Kansas City and Kansas City, and I think Mahomes certainly with a week, you know, not going to be 100%, but I think it'll be enough, right, to be able to do what he needs to do. If they can go knock that team off in Buffalo with everything they had rolling, then go into Kansas City and win that game, they deserve to be favorites going into the Super Bowl. But I think they are, they are a dynasty-capable kind of a team that is growing in front of our eyes with Taylor doesn't get the credit as a coach. Burrow hasn't gotten enough of it as a quarterback. 
uber impressed with that team. And I'm taking Cincy to knock off the Chiefs. Let's get to the NFC. Brian Dayball's had an unbelievable year. He is the coach of the year, and there are some great coaches, including Doug Peterson, what he's done. I know Dan Campbell did a trip. There are many that, that did a really nice job. The coach of the year is Brian Dayball, and I think he'll win it. It may not be unanimous, but I do expect him to win it, and he deserves it. For what he's done with the culture of that team, who was expected to win now, you go back to, and I brought this up in a, in a, it was a video on YouTube. I don't know if I did it in a podcast, but I picked the Giants before the year, and I'm a Giant fan, right? But I was being realistic. I picked them to win five games. That's what I thought they would win. I thought they'd win five games. I was still not sold on Daniel Jones, but I wasn't a hater. I wasn't sold on the health of Saquon, certainly wanted it. Knew the weapons weren't good enough even when we thought Galladay and Sterling Shepard were going to be there. One was out for the year, and the other was out in a reservation. Gone. Mentally, even though they did a big block in the game. It went over Minnesota. My gosh. Got paid a lot of money for that block. And I thought Dable would help. But you go back to the beginning of the season and that game against the Jaguars, the Titans, and the way that they handled that going for the win. There was an aggressive, I believe in this team, different kind of a feel that way they weren't going to accept this anymore. I've mentioned this several times in the past on a baseball side, but I bring it up as a reference here. I remember covering that sport when Jim Leland took over the Tigers, and you can go back and remember which year this was, but it's his first year with them. It was the first month of the season. They might have been like five and five, six and six. They weren't even like one and ten. It wasn't even that bad. But they lost a game and lost a series, and he flipped tables and freaked out in the media, and he said, we are not going to accept losing. And the message was, for when the team heard that, we are not going to be what this jersey of the Detroit Tigers has been for the last number of years. We're going to go back to expecting it to be what it was in the 80s. Tall task. The Giants and Brian Dable, the way he handled this early in the year, did the same damn thing. We are going to be the Giants that had the expectations with Strand and Eli Manning, that had them back with Phil Sims and Bill Parcells and Lawrence Taylor. We're not going to be the Giants that have been the Giants with Shermer or Joe Judge. We're just not. This is not who we're going to be anymore. Now, I didn't think that that was going to net them even after the first win of the year, a playoff spot. And I didn't even think it was going to net them, you know, a 500 season. But give Dayball credit, coach of the year. Now there's the but. It's not why they lost the game. First of all, the Giants were, and I said this before the game, and I said this in a video on YouTube, and I said this on Twitter, I think, as well. I expected them to have a chance in this game, and I would have thought they would have played better. I did not expect them to win the game. I am surprised how bad it ended up. I'm disappointed how bad it ended up. But we knew the Eagles were a better team. We knew that the Eagles had already run roughshod over them twice. We knew the Eagles had an extra week to prepare and were off. We knew that the Giants were sitting there playing on the road in a tough environment. We knew that Hertz was going to be exponentially more healthy than he was even, you know, back in week 18 than in week 14, the last two times he faced. All those things, right? I don't care about the second-tier defensive face or whatever, but I expected it to be more competitive. We knew the Gi this is not a surprise the Giants lost. This does not take away, and it's hard to enjoy anything in that moment if you're a Giant fan, but this does not take away from what Dayball did this season. It does not take away from what this season netted and what it meant for this franchise. It is everything that it was supposed to be, and that went over the Vikings even if they lost that game. 
if the Giants just got to the playoffs and Brian Dable had the year he had and Daniel Jones was was better and Saquon Barkley was when he was healthy, we saw, hey, look, you know, maybe another normal offseason, you know, and and a little bit it helped. No offense to Matt Breida, maybe, you know, somebody else, kind of the, the old school thunder and lightning when Jacobs was there to help support Tiki. Maybe you need somebody else there. I think the Giants do. I think it was, Saquon will be back long term and so will Jones. And I think that, you know, Matt Breida is a, a terrific third down back and did a really good job in a number of things. Good, But they need another guy that I think can pound and, you know, do the Pollard Elliott, if you will, and, and give Saquon when he has those touches, the same things Mitchell does for McCaffrey going around the league. Then when Saquon has the touches, if he's going to get 15, 18 carries in a game instead of 25, 30 ahead at times early in the year, make those count. You're going to throw them on four screens, make it count. You're going to split them out wide, put them in a wildcat, make it count. Now, I think they need some help with that because I don't think you can overuse or extend him physically. All right. All of those things being said, it's not why they lost the game, but I'm going to talk about one play because we know Daniel Jones did not play well. We know the difference in the teams. And I don't think, look, Daniel Jones, I think, was way better over the course of the year. His improvements were massive. And regardless of how bad he played in this game, if anyone is sitting there, now look, did people go way overboard on Daniel Jones? Is he a top five quarterback? All that kind of crap. It's ridiculous. But do I think if you've got Saquon at a high level, get better wide receivers, continue to improve the defense, that you can win a Super Bowl if Daniel Jones is just a, a back end of a top 10, top 15 quarterback? You can, if he doesn't make mistakes. That was the key we saw this year. Only five picks and the fumbles were, were hampered. They were out, thankfully. But the decision Brian Daniel made down 7 nothing to go for it on 4th and 8, at the time, not Monday morning quarterback, even after all the Dayball aggressive moves, and we were surprised by the early one I mentioned with the Titans, at the time, I'm sitting there saying, this may work, but this, this, and I wrote it down at the time, concern, not aggression. That is what that was to me before we saw it. It netted out bad, and the Eagles go down 14 nothing. What do I mean by that? Brian Dable watched the Eagles go down, up and down against this offense at will in, 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 in week 14. And even in week 18, look, that red zone offense of the Eagles was the issue where they ended up with field goals and near misses. They outplayed the Giants more than that score. Now, look, I agree. You give a lot of credit to the second team defense for heading it, hanging in there. And it, with nothing to play for, they were already locked in as the sixth seed, all that. But it was more of like a, a guts than glory scenario. I think Dayball, so the beginning of the Minnesota game where the importance of they went down the field with Cousins and we set we set our tone of we're not going to take it, hello, Twisted Sister D. Snyder, by going down the field against them to even up at 7-7. When he saw the Eagles go so easily down the field, he said to himself, we got to go down the field now. We Because I don't think... He trusted the defense to make that stop, and he was looking at it as, we get a first down, we can continue to get our confidence, and we can even up this game. If we don't, we're down two touchdowns. Saquon could be out. I think he's looking ahead with concern, negativity, concern. Yeah, look, Brian Dable, great coach, coach of the year, change of, right? Nobody's going to be perfect, but that's what that mistake was. I think he showed his hand and admitted the concern he had with the matchup of his defense against that offense. And the inability, because Kelsey is so good, and that front was so good, the inability of, of your sexy Dexy and Leonard Williams to, to impact the game up the middle and create enough of a rush to force Hurts into trouble. 
and force him to maybe not look as healthy because the leg's not going to go as much as they would when he's 100%. It was a mistake. It set the tone in the negative direction. I think it was, it was, it was kind of the game in a lot of ways, really. The Eagles deserve to move forward. All the credit in the world. They're fantastic on defense. Their pass rush, their ability to get to the athletes they have on that team, they deserve to be there. Giants need to get better in the linebacking core. They need a number one receiver to move Hodgins and and, uh, Richie James down to two and three. They need somebody to help Saquon. And they need a little bit of help in the secondary. Need to figure out if Julian Love's coming back. McKinney will continue to grow. They've got some some holes and some issues, but they're going to have some cap space finally, and, and they got some work to do. Then it was who are the Eagles going to play? This was not an exciting game, but it was a close game. George Kittle is a, the the factor players, right? The guys who can be game-changing offensive players. The Eagles have them. My, oh, my, do the 49ers going into that game have them, too. With Debo and with, you know, run CMC and Kittle, who's just amazing to watch. And, I mean, you know, watching Travis Kelsey and then watching Kittle and watching them, you know, do their work as tight ends in either league, I mean, it really is exceptional to see how important it is for an offense to be able to control the middle of the field and how helpful it is for a quarterback, how helpful that is for the quarterback. This was not an unexpected game the way it played out. I will tell you, I thought the Cowboys had a chance to win outright, and they did. They played like they had a chance. Their defense doesn't get enough credit. The Cowboy defense played terrific in this game. You cannot hold that Niner offense down that was averaging 34 a game, I think, since Purdy came in in the seven games or whatever it is. You cannot hold that team down any better than that team did. And it's not just Parsons and, and, and Lawrence and the guys that you talk about and, and the, the, the two DBs that are going to the Pro Bowl. That entire defense did a terrific job, and they deserve a lot of credit. The Cowboy defense hung in there, man. They, they gave them some big plays, the Kittle drive in the third quarter, but they really hung in there, and you got to give them a lot of credit. I am a big fan. Now, look, I, I said in the first episode ever of the show, Cowboy fans are the worst. I, I admit completely biased. That, you know, I don't, in baseball cover, I don't cover the NFL necessarily, right? So I never had to do the unbiased thing. And you know, using the word hate in a, in a sports term was okay for me. I, I, I've always hated the Cowboys, all right? I really like Dak Prescott as a human. What he went through, the adversity, the way people were crapping on him after admitting some of you know his personal dealings, and as somebody who knows that you know life can kind of hit you in a lot of ways, and and you know you need support, not pushing you down. You need people who lift you up. I mean, I've seen you know that happen with people close to me. I've had it happen to me where in your worst of times, the people you care about the most are crapping on you, and you're like, are you serious? After all the times I picked you up, and Dak dealt with that. Dealt with that being in the crosshairs of that, and I think came out with so much class. I'm a huge fan of his, and I root for him individually because of that. But he was spooked in those big spots in that game. He nearly threw a pick six to begin the second to last drive on a on a terrible. I mean, you want to talk about like like the first drive of a guy's career in terms of locking in on one receiver in a slant and basically telling. The, the linebacker and the, the, the nickelback, I think, might have been at the time, where you're going with the ball. He looked confused. He looked like he lacked confidence. 
And that pressure really got to him. And we saw that with the interceptions and the mistakes made during this game. We saw it with the interception total, which he admitted was unacceptable after the game. In the postgame press conference, he admitted, yeah, unacceptable during the season. I really like Dak Prescott, and I, I, I hope individually that he has more success next year. I do. I hope this is a good story. I really do. I, I root for him. And, I, you know, look, I don't root for many Cowboy players in the past in my life, but I really do root for that dude. Big time. Big time. I respect him. I understand him. And I root for him. Now let's get to the fail Mary. I said this, uh, Lawrence Tynes, a long-time kicker of the Giants, had tweeted out a question yesterday on Twitter. What's the name of this play? What should we call it? Um, you don't have to give me credit. This isn't the prospects are cool thing. I don't have this trademarked. But I think this should be called the fail Mary. That last play was, and I hate saying this because I shouldn't be laughing at it. I'm not a, I will tell you, and I, anybody, I really am not. Like, I watch a lot of podcasts and listen to a lot of stuff nowadays more than ever. Like, I barely listen to music anymore. Music used to be such a huge part of my life. I rarely ever listen to it anymore for a number of different reasons. And I, I'm locked into, you know, podcast after podcast after podcast on YouTube constantly. Like, uh, whether I'm, I'm driving, working out, and it doesn't matter what I'm doing, right? It, that's kind of you know, where I'm at, and, and that's what I you know, kind of, uh, you know, go to, if you will. But when I, you know, laugh, it's usually, I'm not a, a meme guy. Like I don't you know, watch memes and I don't have TikTok and I, I don't even have use, I haven't been on Facebook in a year. Like I, I don't I look at that stuff anymore. Right. So it's rare that I see a piece of video on Twitter, which is the only place I go. I don't use Instagram. All I have is Twitter. But it's rare that I watch a video and laugh over and over and over again, as people usually do that stuff with memes. I watched that last play, that video of that, which several people had out. I don't even know at least 100 times. And I feel bad saying that. Not for the Cowboy fan. They're the worst. But for one person, not for Mike McCarthy, because to be honest, he's the worst. I mean, Mike McCarthy looks like like you get so excited when Brian Dable is your coach. You get so look, it doesn't have to be a giant thing. Like you get so like just looking at the fire of a Sirianni. Like when he's sitting there telling the the, the refs and the coaches, I know what the f I'm doing. Like I mean, look, I, you, you don't like the guy if you're a giant fan in that moment, but I'm like, okay, you know, it's like in my cousin Vinny. I want him, right? Sorry, okay. Well, he's not my coach, but it's like you know, Rob Brenda Moore is not my coach of my hockey team, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I could see that with that guy. I saw that with Barry Trotz before he became my coach, where Lou Lamorello got up from a nap and fired him for some reason, right? Mike McCarthy, it's like nobody wants to go through a wall for that guy. Sorry, so I'm not feeling bad for him because the play calling in the last two drives was so atrocious. The time management was such crap. It was garbage. It was garbage. Everything that Dak didn't show in terms of instilling confidence in the last two drives, Mike McCartney's certainly not leading the way with that either. So I don't feel bad for him. I don't feel bad for the Cowboy fan. I don't feel bad for everybody, Jerry Jones. Only one person that I laughed at that video, and I have to offer an apology. On the fail Mary, because that is, I, I'm telling you right now, screaming it, here we go. And on the podcast, you can see, I don't get you out the window here in Atlanta. Please. This should be the fail Mary. That's what they should call this play. All right? Ezekiel Elliott, I am not a, a Zeke fan, not a Cowboy fan. 
I don't know the guy. I don't dislike him personally or like him personally. I don't know, right? I mean, I respected Emmett Smith. I didn't like him. I was at a game where, like, one shoulder on Monday Night Football, he ran against the Giants for, like, 200 yards. All right? Couldn't like the guy. Yeah. Afterwards, it's like I didn't like Joe Montana until I got a Chiefs jersey the second he played there. He didn't play for the Niners anymore, so I could like him then, right? I got nothing against Ezekiel Elliott or for Ezekiel Elliott. But I cannot stop watching that play and laughing. And the only part, I don't watch Turpin. I don't watch Dak Prescott. If you just hone in on Ezekiel Elliott, it is like in a video game where there's a glitch. Like, I I had this, um, I posted this on, on Facebook, I think it was years ago. Maybe I've tweeted it. You know my thoughts about Angel Hernandez. But I used to joke, there was I was playing MLB The Show years ago, and there was a glitch. The umpire kept running around the second base bag, like in between plays. Like something must have happened. I don't even know what happened. So I just, I videotaped it and I just put it out there. And I was like, this is how the Angel Hernandez, he just like literally pirouetting. And it was a glitch. I couldn't stop watching it. I cannot stop watching Zeke get plowed over. It's like watching some glitch in a video game. What in the hell did this guy do where they ordered my favorite movie, A Few Good Men, they ordered a code red on Ezekiel Elliott and let him get his ass handed to him on that play? That is unbelievable to me. I could not believe that. They let him get smoked. I mean, I can't stop watching this. It's like, you know, don't look. There's a, there's a, you know, heaven forbid there's a, a wreck. And it's like, why is everyone slowing down in the traffic? I hate that to watch. It's like, I feel bad and God bless these people. And I need to get to where I'm going. Like, you know, somebody says, don't look, you look. Somebody says, don't go down the stairs in a horror movie. You go down the stairs, whatever you do, don't go in the shed. You're in the shed like an ass. I can't stop watching this play. The fail Mary. Ezekiel Elliott, my God. Like, who did he sleep with he wasn't supposed to? Or what did this guy do? Holy moly. Wow. Eagles Niners is a tough pick for me. Um, I could see this going a number of ways. I think... Look, I think everything about Brock Purdy that we've seen is real, and I have no reason to believe it's not. I think the offense certainly helps in the Shanahan offense and having the weapons he does. I think if he's in Daniel Jones's spot, Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. You can yell at me all you want. No people aren't going to believe me. That's fine. Daniel Burns Jones is bigger, stronger, better runner, better thrower, more accurate passer. When he's been on the all the things that and the, all those things are improving. But with the weapons, if you switched it and you gave me Shannon's offense with Daniel Jones and those weapons, you're going to win a Super Bowl, right? But I, I do like Brock Purdy, and I think that he can – certainly, it's okay to be within your system. It's the system they have. Shanahan and company not going anywhere, so that's fine. But I think he's going to have problems with the Eagles' pass rush. The Eagles are going to force him to make decisions he doesn't want to make. And do a better job. Dallas was pretty good at this, by the way. And it slowed them down. And it's why until that drive would kill in the third quarter, I mean, what, they had nine points, I think, on the board, right? Some field goals. That's all we got till then. Robbie Gold three times. I think the Eagles' pressure is going to force Purdy to make a couple of crucial mistakes. Wouldn't be surprised if they force a fumble, force a throw he doesn't want to make, where he, he doesn't get to go through progressions and throws a pick. The Eagles are going to make a couple of plays defensively against Purdy because of the lack of time he's going to have that are going to change the course of the game. I think Miles Sanders and company will be able to run the ball enough 
to try and keep most and company honest. And I think Philly will try and move the ball on the ground as much as they can. I think it'll be a tough defensive battle, but I think the Eagles defense and that pass rush forces the hand of Purdy at least once, if not twice in big spots. And the turnover margin ends up being the reason the Eagles win the game. I'm taking the Eagles to play Cincy in the Super Bowl. We'll continue to keep you posted here over at Unfiltered. Let me know your thoughts on these NFL games, uh, all the plays, all the quarterbacks, everything on the baseball side, all across the board, whatever you got. Hit me up, Rock and Roll Sushi and Alpharetta. Get to me. And just whatever you do, however you do it, try and do it with a smile. We got, we all got stuff. We all got uphill battles. You know, I just did a life uh, a series this way. Um, man, I've been through so many obstacles and it's still currently going through um, so many. And, you know, there's a sense of pride that you find in life when you realize that you have so much more to give and to do than to spend your time being worried and on things you can't control. And be proud of who you are, no matter what you got going on in your life. Be proud of who you are. I am. We got a lot more still to cover. We'll see you next time. As always, our thanks to Bet Online. We, as always, here on Unfiltered are presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.